Hi, everyone. This is Kimberly. And this is Katie. And you're listening to a very special episode of Date with Dateline. Special because a little gal that you know named Katie is doing the recap. Oh, I don't think that special is the word we use for this. I think the word that we use is different. It's interesting. That's what it's that kind of thing. She's um, she's interesting. Oh, <laughs> I feel like I've been used. I've been described that way. <laughs> yeah, me too. Join the club. But at least this episode was really good. So yeah, it did a lot of the work for me, which mm-hmm. is great. Mm-hmm. We have to give Kimberly some time off, you guys. She didn't get any time off. She was doing a different project. So yeah, it's not like she was sitting back and, you know, eating chips on the couch. She can't even have chips right now. I was, but I was working at the same time. My computer laptop is very greasy. There are lots of crumbs. Because when I get stressed, I shove in chips while I'm typing. It's bad. Oh, that makes sense. It adds character to the laptop. It's always good to have like donut crumbles or something, I feel like. So what we are talking about this fine day is trouble at the 7-Eleven ranch. Wait, we have a big announcement though first. Oh, sorry. But it's a big announcement. Another podcast. Correct. And we need to start telling people about it at the beginning of the show because no one knows about it. We have a second podcast. Surprise! It's been like a year or two, but no one really seems to know about it because we we had our Patreon YouTube live yesterday. And a lot of our Patreons were like, what are you talking about? So we realized we suck at promoting ourselves. Yeah, not the best. We have another podcast called A Date with the Bake. I'm going to give that a minute to let it sink in of what that could possibly be. They're not going to. No, why don't you tell them? It's about the Great British Bake Off. And we do recaps of the Great British Bake Off. But it's more casual style Bake Off. I mean, recap, like chatting. So definitely watch the episodes first. If you don't know what Great British Bake Off is, get your head out of the sand, go over to Netflix, and in revel in the delightedness. It is what we all need during 2020 is to watch every season of Great British Bake Off. It is the most pure show on television, and it is back with a new season, which means we are doing a new season of our podcast. Yes, and we do have one season up if you want to listen to our last season. You can listen. If not, you can just start with this one. Yeah, because different contestants every time. It's a baking, cooking competition show, but the British are way nicer and funnier about it than we are. Yeah, it's not like... No one says, I'm not here to make friends. Right. This is not... Top Chef. This is not Kitchen Nightmares. This is not Hell's Kitchen. This is none of those. It's not a Gordon Ramsay gig, which I see could be confusing because he's Scottish, right? So I feel like that could be confusing. It has nothing to do with him. It has to do with delightful British folks. And you get to know a little bit about their lives and watch them bake. And it's like, there's only drama in the fact of like, if someone drops something or it's never drama, like somebody's undercutting someone. It's, you know, very wholesome. It's great. Even if they drop a tart on the floor, everyone helps them pick the tart up. Everyone. You might ask, why are we doing that show? Because we love it. Because it fills our souls. It is too nice for us to even make fun of. But we still have a good time talking about it. Right. It's the opposite of 90 Day Fiance. Katie makes a lot of baking puns. Yeah. And a lot of British jokes. So check it out, guys. Check out last season. This one's coming this week. And we hope you like it. It's a labor of love. So please take a listen. Okay. So today we are Trouble at the 7-Eleven Ranch. This premiered on 9-21, the year of 
the worst year of our Lord 2020. And it is season 25, episode 48, question mark. Kimberly and I had a mini debate before we started. Unsure. We got trouble. We got trouble. Right here at 7-Eleven with a capital T and that's close to R and that stands for ranch. Oh, very good. Excellent. That was for Liz on Twitter and for the five people, including Joni, who said that they like the singing on our show. Oh, thanks, Joni. Thanks, Mom. I did not expect you to do that, but I don't know why I didn't because you love Music Man. Don't know, I didn't see that coming. I'm surprised at myself. I love 7 I don't know if I would have done it if Liz hadn't said, I hope you do this episode. It's a, The title is a perfect opportunity for you to break into Music Man. Oh, there we go. Okay. She kind of put it in my head. Okay. I feel like you would have done it anyways, but I'm going to give Liz credit. Anyways, did you think this was a ranch by 7-Eleven? Because I sure did. No. Oh, I thought that maybe 7-Elevens were named for whatever this is was going to be. Still, I'm not understanding why it's called the 7-Eleven Ranch. We're going to get to it, but I'm missing a major thing here. Okay, there's a lot of people on Twitter who missed that, who don't, were very upset about that as well. And I feel like they didn't watch the episode because at one point in the episode, they show a mailbox that says 7-Eleven ranch like it's an address is that literally it though i think it's number 7-eleven ranch drive or something and then they call it the 7-eleven ranch but it's 711 not 7-11 right correct it's also not 7-11 written out which is i think how 7-eleven does their stores yeah good point also they don't have slurpees there so they have buffalo hold on i'm sorry i have to check something I need to check how it's spelled in the episode title. It is spelled 7-11. So that's confusing. Because if it's not 7-11 on the address, like you said it wasn't, then why is it 7-11 in the title? Because they call it that because 7-11 is a thing. Let's say you had a house and it was 247 Oak Drive. You might be like, it's the 24-7 house. And you'd call it the 24-7 house. Got it. I still, yeah. <laughs> like, I got it, but I still don't agree with you. I got it. I'm just not sure if I agree. Unlike most of the time, Josh Mankiewicz did not reply to some of the tweets asking why it was called the 7-Eleven branch, and usually he responds. He doesn't know then. I guarantee you he doesn't know because I was going way too far with it. In my hypothesis, it was because there are seven acres of this kind of land and 11 acres of that kind of land. I was like, this is something where it's 18 acres of land and they have them split. The reason that doesn't hold water is because they said that it's hundreds of acres. Right. <laughs> yeah. But it does if it's certain crops. So if it's seven acres of one thing and 11 acres of another thing, and those are the primary products of the ranch, like it's seven acres of cow pasture. Does that make sense? Okay. And why I thought that might make sense is because of what we open with. So we're, I'm going to jump into the opening, which is we are getting some of the most beautiful aerial shots to date. Yes. I'm going to blanket statement that. Beautiful. And it's not just, it's not just drone shots. We're getting time-lapse shots, which are just, I mean, it's like this crystal blue sky. I can't, it's gorgeous. But there is the way that the ranch is set up is there's like kind of skinny roads into it. There's some properties. So it's like a, a main house and some side properties. And then behind the house, there's this one mountain. 
just one and then flat all around that. Did you see that it does that? Maybe the mountain has seven ridges on the left and then 11 ridges on the right. This is what I'm thinking. I thought it had something to do with the mountain. I was trying to like come up with those numbers correspond to something with that mountain. Obviously, I thought about it way too much because I knew it wasn't 7-Eleven down on the corner that I frequent a lot. She loves the 7-Eleven, you guys. I love it more than your average bear. I'm a big 7-Eleven fan. So we are in Western Colorado. Never been there. Have you been there? No. Okay. Wait, where? Western Colorado. I don't know what is in Western Colorado. Have you been to Colorado, period? Full stop. Yes, that's why I'm asking. Otherwise, I would just say no. That was the road trip you did with your brother, right? Yeah. So I've been to Boulder. I don't know where that is in Colorado, but I've been there. Uh, I don't either. I feel like that's a smack dab in the middle, but I tend to always think that like capital cities are smack dab in the middle. That's just like a, and that's not true at all. But I always think that. I feel like that should just be regulated. If you're a state, your capital's dead in the center. Oh, I like that. I like that rule. Yeah. It makes it easier. So then you'd know like right away that Las Vegas is not the capital of Nevada because it's not in the middle. It should be like blank city. It should be California city. I see. Nevada city, Arizona city. That is just the best way to make it easy for me. And that's what this is all about. Change.org? Yeah. Okay. I'm on it right now. Because there's nothing more important than that. (laughs) Oh, top of the list. Yeah. So the Western Colorado, like I said, is absolutely stunning. It's a beautiful valley. I'm sorry. Did I mention that this is Josh Mankiewicz? Josh Mankiewicz is our host. Yay. We missed him. Yeah. So we get two in a row, which is great. Yeah. He says it's a beautiful valley that's so beautiful it can drive people to extremes. I was driven mad by the beauty of this valley. Ooh, that's very romantic. I like that. And no one knows that sentiment better than Jake Millicent. So he is a Colorado rancher who is in his late 20s, who seemed cut out for the life of a Colorado rancher until one day he just disappeared. We're at Gunnison, Colorado, but I could not understand what the people were saying. Did you get the town? No, but I can't understand anything Keith says lately, so. Oh, yeah, I don't know what that is. That's just one thing. It was just glamorous that I still feel like could just mean good legs. Oh, she's real glamorous because she's got gams. That's a new word. I'm going to Urban Dictionary. Perfect. So I have a change.org and an Urban Dictionary. I have a lot of work to do later. Do you have a pen? Do you want me to write it down for you? I don't see a pen. Uh-huh. I got it. Jake Millicent lived on the ranch with his sister, Stephanie, and his mom, Deb. We've got a Deb, not a Debbie, not a Deborah. We get interviews with two people early on who I think are going to play a much bigger part in this and who turn out to play absolutely... No part in this Mm. whatsoever. Do you remember Jake and Rebecca? Is she the one that was on the lawnmower? Correct. And Jake made the choice to wear a black bandana a la Rock of Love, Brett Michaels on the show. Yeah. Oh, I do remember them. Yeah. I was here for it. He pulled it off. I didn't know how you would feel, but I was really, we haven't seen it yet. And I was was doing gardening work. So I think it's fine if he was like. At a dance hall wearing a tuxedo, I wouldn't have thought it was fine. He wore it on his Dateline interview, which would lead me to believe that the bandana would be worn at a dance function with a tuxedo. I'm not going to judge him for that until I see it. Until I walk into a dance hall. I think that's a personal style thing. And see it. I think you'd think it was cool. 
No, I really wouldn't because I don't like Brett Michaels that he wears that all the time because he's clearly hiding something. No one cares. I don't know. I don't mind it. I feel like it's a signature and I'm okay. And I also, I like it that it was black. Isn't Brett Michaels red? He wears different colors, I think. Does he switch them? I don't know. I think I've seen him in blue. That's funny. They're both named Jake. So we have Bandana Jake and then Jake, the person who goes missing. But Bandana Jake and his friend Rebecca are giving us the backstory of this family. Stephanie, non-Bandana Jake's sister, moved out of the family home early because she got married. Now, we see some wedding pictures of her wedding. She looks like she might be 16. Yeah, she did look like she was going to prom. She has a gold tiara on. Full. It wasn't even a tiara. I'm sorry. It was a full crown all the way around with an updo. And it just looked like she was a child bride. Just extremely young. Maybe she's just one of those people like you that look young forever. But she looked, I was surprised by how young she looked in the picture. And I think that's why we're told by Bandana Jake that Jake really didn't like the guy she married. A person named Jason. It's not that because she was so young. (laughs) (laughs) I'm kidding I think that might have been part of it was that she was very young and hooked up with Jason, who, as Bandana Jake tells us, is a, I'll let you have it. Carney. It's a Carney. Is Carney an offensive term? I don't even care. I don't know. Are they going to write to us? Complain? They, well, Dateline said it. He said it on Dateline. Yeah. And Josh didn't immediately follow it with, you mean a carnival worker, which is what right. he would have done had right. it been. Yeah, yeah, no, he's a straight up carny. No, the PC term would be person who works at carnivals because you have to put person first. Carnival employee? I still think it would be employee of a carnival. Really? I don't know. Oh, okay. Well, he's a human who works at carnival and he works the paintball booth. I don't know what that is. What's a paintball booth? Do they have paintball at carnivals now? Is this a newer thing? Because this is not... I mean, it's, they have like an enclosed paintball thing. Maybe it doesn't sound to me like a traditional carnival thing. The problem I'm having with it is that they're saying paintball booth, which leads me to believe that that is one of the games in the middle of the midway. Oh, maybe it's where you shoot a dart at a balloon and it pops and it's filled with paint and then it splatters the paint and then somehow you win a stuffed elephant. No, I think it's definitely a paintball gun because if it's called the paintball booth, the big thing about it is those paintball guns. So I think it's more like you're shooting a clown in the face. Kaboom. Or there's moving targets and you're trying to shoot them with a paintball gun. I don't know. And I know a lot about carnivals, but I've never seen a paintball thing. And I I don't think it's a paintball course. It's not really coming up. What do you mean? Like paintball booth. Okay, so we're just going to have to guess. But regardless, Jake did not want his sister marrying... A much older... Oh, paintball shooting gallery. Oh, there you go. So it is a shooting gallery. Okay. Yeah, you shoot at a target with a paintball. Okay, that makes sense. Maybe. Yeah, it's got to be that. This one looks more like an actual enclosed thing where you would shoot paintballs at each other, like a traditional paintball thing inside of a blow-up arena. So that I feel like they would call not a booth. I feel like I would call that a paintball course or something like that. It's very small. It would be like four people shooting each other in a room. It doesn't look that exciting. Strange. Well, anyways, Jason the Carney married his young bride. We don't know how old Jason is. They didn't tell us, but he's not in school. That doesn't mean anything. We don't know. We get very little information about this He went to the school of carnivals. Yeah. Maybe he's from a family of carnival 
employee of Carnival. Yeah. I don't know. I love it. Oh, it's great. We haven't had that on Dateline yet. And I'm a big Carnival fan. So I'm I was excited. Yeah. Very excited. I really would have preferred it, though, if he had worked the Gravitron. I would have been so excited. So Stephanie's out of the house. It's Jake and his mom. And now we're going to get some interviews with Jake's friends. And by the way, that's the last time we ever see Bandana, Jake and Rebecca. We get a little bit of B-roll of them. We never see them again. So that's all we get. That's all we get. Nate and Randy are two of the friends that we meet of Jake's that are like his townie friends. He's got a couple of sets of friends. We'll get to it. But these are the the guys that live in town that he grew up with. They just describe Jake as being a really nice guy who is shy around girls. And from all the pictures they show, I can totally see it. He doesn't look like a hooligan at all. He looks like a nice guy. So the place that they're living, the 7-Eleven Ranch, was actually owned by Jake and Stephanie's stepdad. We get a picture of him. We'll hit it in B-roll. I'm sure you saw it. We get a couple pictures of him. But he's sort of in and out. He dies. He looks very old when Deb married him. So I don't know. But he died and left the ranch to Deb and the kids. And it's a pretty hefty workload. Jake is 23 years old when his stepdad dies. And so he has to pretty much run the ranch. And anytime he had a break, he would go out with his friends and just shoot pool and drink beer. But he wasn't like the kind of person that was working hard during the day and going out of partying at night. He was not really a partier. He just wanted to hang out with his friends. He was always the designated driver. He was the Kimberly. So he would go up to the counter and order a Coke instead of a wine cooler. I'm drinking Coke right now. There you go. He was always the responsible one, basically, is what they said. Now we are going to have some footage of a sport that I am extremely familiar with, where... Grown men very slowly cuddle each other to death, and it's known as jujitsu. There are some interesting parallels in this episode. I don't get it. (laughs) We see all of them man cuddling. Yes. I don't get it. I don't get how men that would normally be too uncomfortable to, like, give a bear hug to a guy friend, they would just be like, hey, dude, like, pat on the like like a fist bump sort of sort of thing but then these people that they meet in the jujitsu are literally like rolling around robes open with their chest hair exposed the sweating the smelling of intimate areas as they're rolling i don't understand how that works so that's where i think you're wrong i think you have it pegged wrong in the first sentence that these are guys that would go and give each other bear hugs. That's not true. But they're doing this with strangers at competitions. Right. But most guys that do jujitsu are like, now, blanket qualifier, Oliver is very involved. Jujitsu is Oliver's sport. And actually, I will give him a shout out. Congratulations, because he got his black belt two weeks ago. That's amazing. Yeah, it's really good. He was supposed to get it before the pandemic started. And then the gala that they were supposed to have to give out the belts didn't happen. And so they just called him into the gym and he like went and stood very far away from people and got his belt. So yay, Oliver. Yay. But having been to some of these competitions and spent some time around it, I'll tell you all of these guys are, for the most part, they are the bear hug guys. It's just they're very comfortable and the sport is very much about like focus kind of, you know, all of those martial arts are. I don't want to be close to anyone that close. No one. Where I can smell 
their smells and their sweat rolls into my mouth as we're, that's, I, no thank, hard pass. But it is incredible adrenaline. So it's the kind of stuff like when you're not noticing that stuff because you're on adrenaline. So you're not noticing that that stuff is actually happening. It's not like you're grossed out in the minute. These guys are so like focused, but it is really weird because it's the slowest cuddle, but it's not a cuddle because they're actually like kind of hurting. So they're choking someone and they choke people with their robes. So those robes come open all the time because they're sliding that robe to choke someone. I totally get that these are like athletes and this is competition and they're eye of the tiger. But as an outsider watching or when I would go to my brother's wrestling meets, yes, which I went to maybe once, it's the oddest looking thing that people would choose to do that. It is really funny to me, too. I don't know. I do think that other sports probably seem that way to people as well. Right. I don't know. Other sports, if there's like a ball involved. Not all other sports. But I do think some guys are perfectly built for it. Like people that are good wrestlers are good wrestlers. I don't know. Whatever makes you happy. And I, I believe 100%, especially for Oliver and especially for the guys in this episode, it gives them a sense of community and a sense of friends. And I'm all for that. I'm just saying to me, it looks silly and smelly. It's intense. Yeah, there's definitely. And I would be scrubbing, <laughs> scrubbing myself in the shower after each they do. I'm pretty sure that they do. It's also those robes are really heavy, by the way. Those things that they're wearing are like starch, but they all have like these like skinny, like legging workout pants on underneath, by the way. They're wearing another layer underneath. And I don't mean even to just talk about men. I'm not trying to say it's like homophobic or anything or sexual or homoerotic whatever. Uh, we saw girls doing this. We saw a girl on a There's guy. There's lots of girls. Yeah. Again, just not for me. Right. That's all I'm You saying. do not prefer that intimate of physical contact in your With sport. anyone. That makes not sense. Not in love, not in <laughs> sport, not, not in love or war do I want to be that close to someone. But it was funny to see it in this episode because I think that people that aren't familiar with it, it must look strange. Because it's what I first saw. When I first saw it, I was like, what are you doing? Why is this all in slow-mo? But then all of a sudden they go, quick, 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 quick. It goes slow, quick, quick, quick. And then somebody's on the ground. And you're like, oh. And then you can't even see it because you don't know what happened. I don't know. I I still don't understand as much as I should. I believe there's a skill to it for sure. And it takes talent and strength and agility. So... It was funny to see it on Dateline. I was like, oh boy, here we go. So now we have his townie friends that we met a couple of, and now we're going to meet his gym friends, which is a very real thing. I'm glad I kind of know a little bit about it because Ollie's gym friends are very much like that's that set of friends. I don't think they mix with other friends, but they all have that same like drive. You know, they all love jujitsu. So, and from what I've seen, people that get into jujitsu, they're real into it really into it. I think it's like CrossFit. Yes. Yes. It's exactly like that. It's not like you're kind of into baseball, but like you like baseball. It's like your jujitsu life. You get like the license plate around thing. That's the full thing. Also softball seems to. Does it? It does. I know many softball players and it's like that's their thing. And they're in leagues and they are. Because people are into yoga like that and people are into diets like that. Yeah. So I'm into uh, Taylor Swift like that. 
That's funny. So, well, Jake is into jujitsu. He's got his friends. And this is the other part of his life that becomes very important in this case. And I'm really glad that he has it. So they said that Jake was the most consistent in attendance. He was there four days a week, which is a lot if you're training that many days a week. And he would come to the gym on his 1976 Harley Davidson. So here's that's we got coincidence number two. I got this was get, making me nervous at this point. Oliver also rides a motorcycle and would take his motorcycle specifically to jujitsu. I bet there's a lot of crossover in that community. Also, Oliver didn't grow up on a ranch, right? That would be too much of a Or in Colorado. Okay. So I don't feel like Oliver's in danger, girl. No, I don't think so. So Jake loved his bike more than anything in the world. He had had it since high school. Here's another reason why I think it makes sense. I bet there's crossover is because I bet unlike other sports, what's great about this is your body is your, your prop, you know? You don't need a lot of equipment. You don't need like a bag full of bats and stuff. It's like being a singer. Your body is your instrument. Oh, good point. You don't have to carry a cello on the back of your motorcycle. Right. You're just carrying your gi around, but that's it. So the jujitsu gym that he trains at is training for a tournament. And really sadly, Jake rolled his ankle right before the tournament. And so he couldn't go. I've also been to a couple of jujitsu tournaments. They're very exciting. It's very intense. In Vegas, right? Yeah, we went in Vegas and there was... That's why when they say he goes to Vegas, I was like, Katie's gone to Vegas for one of these. I did. I really wanted... I invited you. I wanted you to come because it was kind of wild. There's lots of acai bowls. Lots of those. There's like five stands of them. So the gym is training for the tournament. He rolls his ankle, can't go. He decides that he's going to hang out with his townie friends while all of his gym buddies go off to compete. And so... Him and his friends go out to a bar like they normally do. They play some pool. They head home. Totally normal night, you would think. But the next day, the one of the buddies that he went out with that night said that when he texted Jake, he didn't get a response, which is weird because he's the guy that always responds back. What I would think is, well, if you didn't respond, I wouldn't think anything. But if another person like who responded to me usually quickly... I respond quickly. Yeah, but... I do have friends that if I expected a text back quickly and didn't get one, I would think they had lost their phone. So I'm wondering if that's what his friend thought, that it had just gone missing. But then he also doesn't show up to the gym. And they're all back from competition because the competition was just on a weekend. And after about a week, it starts to become a problem. So after about 10 days of no one seeing Jake, no one getting a text from him, no one hearing from him, it's actually one of his jujitsu buddies that decides to report it to the police. And Josh is kind of cute with him because he's like, but you're no ordinary friend. He gets delighted when he can say like, but you're not this or you're not just this. He loves doing that. You're also this. Yeah. So Derek is also a police sergeant. So Derek's got friends in high places. I found him a little cute. Really? I did. I considered him a hot cop. Okay. I see it. And I would like to man cuddle with him. Oh, you would like to... I would like to jujitsu him. So the sheriff is now involved because the sergeant gets the sheriff involved and calls Jake's mom, Deb. And Deb says that Jake left with a friend to go to Reno, Nevada. Okay. Is Reno, Nevada where the competition was? I just put that together. The jujitsu competition? Did you... No, but it did make me think that's kind of plausible because you had gone to Vegas. 
for a competition. So I thought maybe there is jujitsu. I can't say that word in Reno. It would make sense. It's got to be a place with like a big convention hall, right? And Reno would have that. It's the biggest little city in the world. I have, I don't remember Reno. I'd like to go see it again. I've been like when I was little. I don't know if I've been. It's near Tahoe, right? Yeah, it is. Yeah, I think I went once. I was blown away by the big littleness of it. It's true. So the sheriff also decides to call his real dad, his birth father, Jake's birth dad, who told the sheriff that sometimes Jake would take off from time to time. Apparently, he had a fishing job in Alaska, which we're told about way earlier in the episode, which I didn't write down because I didn't think it was going to be important. But now here we have it. Jake was one of those people that went on the fishing boats in Alaska where it's like kind of like working an oil rig. Like you make a ton of money in a very short period of time for a season. He actually did that to save the ranch. Jake's a really good guy and it's really hard work. But I wouldn't consider that just disappearing, right? No, he went to go make money literally to put it back in the ranch. That's not being irresponsible. That is not like the T-shirt, where is Larry McNabney from our Patreon episode? Right. This is being the most responsible for his family and his land. Yeah. And then sometimes he would go camping with his friends. But I don't consider that taking off either. This whole thing seems... He deserves a break. He's a rancher. Yeah, who's working full time on that ranch because we find out in a minute that the mom because everyone in his life seems to give him grief for going anywhere yeah it's really yeah he deserves a break yeah he does i would like to hear about more employees on this ranch but i think there are none i think he handled it yeah Ooh. and the mom i don't feel like lifted a finger no deb is five zero she's five feet tall what's she gonna do my mom is four ten She could work at a ranch. So maybe Deb is working at the ranch then. Yeah. So we don't know. That's true. But regardless, a big red flag comes when one of his townie friends, one of Jake's townie friends, goes to the ranch to look for him and sees Elmo. Not, I don't know. Is that how Elmo talks? How's Elmo sound? That's a little bit Pikachu-ish, but you're not far off. He's tickled, right? You tickle Elmo. Elmo. Yes, that's it. That's it. Yeah. So Elmo, the dog, is there. And Elmo is Jake's, besides his motorcycle, he loves that dog. Yeah. That would be very strange for him to leave without his dog. And that's scary to the townie friend. So Jake's mom, Deb, in the meantime, is telling the sheriff that Jake left, but Jake came back again and then left again. So during this time period, Jake went missing for a few days, then all of a sudden in the middle of the night returns with a person that Deb didn't know. Deb didn't know this friend, some guy in a dark colored truck, packed up a bunch of like camping stuff in the truck and took off again, but left the dog because he didn't have room for the dog. And then she said at that point that she thought that he was headed to Nevada to study martial arts with this random friend. None of this makes sense. I don't feel like he would not call his other friends and tell them. It makes sense that he might do that, but I don't think that he would not tell anybody. I think that the jujitsu guys would know if he was going to study martial arts for sure. I think that where she messed up in the story is that it doesn't make a lot of sense that the Nevada martial arts part doesn't go with the random friend camping equipment. Those two things aren't together unless you're going to study martial arts in the desert or unless that guy is like a sensei or whatever like 
Dwight from the office. Did the guy have a ponytail? I mean, I have (laughs) questions. I need to know certain things. Or did he have like some sort of symbol tattooed right here? Because the forearm tattoo, I feel like, would be above the wrist. If he's going to study martial arts with a random guy in Reno who maybe has a ponytail and maybe is a sensei and he has to sleep in a tent while he's there, we're talking cult. Oh, good point. Yes, we are. Did he pack a bathrobe, a white bathrobe from the house? He's like, I need all your white towels, mom, so they can fashion outfits. Good point. So it's not just that he left behind Elmo, which is the huge red flag. The other thing that he left behind is his cell phone. It dropped in an irrigation ditch. Well, that's why he couldn't call anyone. But he had his wallet. Well, one thing is able to drop and not another thing. They're in two different pockets. No, I'm saying you have a wallet. You could buy another phone. Yeah, that's true. Maybe he just wanted to go off the grid. Like, I want to go into the woods. Right. You want to do your woods excursion. However, I would tell people so that they wouldn't worry. That's probably a smart idea because your mom would have probably no straight up the FBI out looking for you, a squat team devoted to you. Yeah. Now, that was all happening in May. In August, months later... Jake still hasn't come back from the time that he left Deb's house with the truck. And I think he's in a sweat lodge in the desert in Reno, like in that weird, horrible fourth season of Arrested Development. Oh, God. Well, and also he's 29 years old. So at what point do you file a missing person support? So Deb waited May, June, July. She waited three months and then she filed a missing person. That seems too long. It seems too long, but he's 29 years old. Yeah, it's still way too long. Yeah. Unless you had had a fight and he said, I'm literally never speaking to you again. You will never hear me, my name. Pretend I never existed. Three months is too long. I find it more weird that they didn't have a conversation while he was packing up the truck of when do you think you're coming back? Because I'm alone here on the ranch and I kind of need you. Yeah. When did he stop caring about the ranch? Right. Apparently in May. He was done. He was ready to go. His life's work since he was a child. He was ready to be enlightened by his sensei's teachings. Sounds like a cult. (laughs) Yeah. So even though Deb had finally filed a police report in August, his both sets of friends thought there needed to be more publicity on his disappearance or it was never going to go anywhere. So they decided to go to the press, which turns out was a smart move. And we get to hear a phone call between Deb and a reporter who is great. I really liked her. Right. Yes. She's like a local reporter. Deb tells the reporter the story about Jake showing up with the random friend. But she also tells the reporter that Jake is a bad son because he wiped her chef Boyardee stash. He wiped it out. He took all of those cans of SpaghettiOs with him. No, not just SpaghettiOs. Maybe ravioli, she said, too. Oh, she said maybe ravioli. Okay, so maybe. She's like the chef Boyardee. There's something else she's like in ravioli or what, something like that. Here's the problem I have with this is that she says that he cleaned her out of groceries. But how many cans did you have? Right, because unless you had 90, 90, that would not be enough for three months. We're going to come back to this because I have a feeling that Deb may have actually had one of those coupon stockpiles of it. Yeah, maybe she did have 90 cans of Chef Boyardee. Could you see that? Yeah, I could. Okay, good. Yeah. So... She also can't remember. This is a very strange conversation. The reporter asks, well, what is the, so when's the last day that you actually spoke to Jake? 
And she says, I'll have to check my calendar. Now, it didn't strike me at first. I don't think it's that weird. But it is kind of weird. I find it weird that she has to look at her calendar because what, like, does she remember it was the same day she what? I don't feel like she ever leaves the ranch. So I don't know what she has on her calendar, like ranch chores. So she remembered it was a Thursday because that's the day you clean out the chicken coop or something. But like, I don't feel like Mink makes it seem like it's a big deal. I think it is a big deal because I think the the big deal surrounding it is that a mother should know what day her son went missing. But this mother is not, their relationship is not typical. Agreed. And she does say maybe the 20th, like she does actually kind of give a date. Yeah, that's true. So Meg is ignoring the fact that she says, I'd have to check my calendar around the 20th, I think. I think it's just that 90% of times, if you ask a mother, when's the last day you spoke to your son, she'd say April 14th. I think that is the majority of the time, but she's not speaking to Mink. She's speaking to a reporter on the phone. So she's just kind of. The thing is, if a few months go by and you didn't know the last time was going to be the last time and it's been a few months and now you're thinking back, you're like, it was probably a Thursday or a Friday. You might not know the exact date. I feel like you would, after a certain amount of time, go back and look and remember the date. I feel like if they die the next day, you go, oh, my God, the last time I spoke to them was at 7.04. But months, she didn't seem to know. She thought he'd be gone for a few weeks. So I don't think she even thought about it for a few weeks. I feel like when you're filing a police report, you need to know the last day he was there. So she should have known that date. She should have checked her phone, if, but maybe it was a landline. Oh, no, she's saying in person when they talked. You see what I'm saying, right? I feel like running a ranch and he wasn't around to do the chores, she would know because of that. I think that she should. Well, the cows stopped being milked on the 20th, so. So we had to sell them. Anyways, Mank thought it was weird, and I believe Mank because he said most mothers that I've talked to, and he's talked to a lot of mothers. So Katie's right. I'm wrong. No, I think you are a little bit right, honestly, because I thought the same thing as you did. And then I was like, well. I think she would know. She may not have known right after. She may not have known for like the next couple of weeks that she's kind of waiting for him to come home. But as soon as she started to get worried, you'd go back and you'd know that date when you were worried. You'd be you'd know that date if you were really worried. She didn't seem that worried still. It's like filing the police report was no big deal. I feel like she was just bowing to the pressure of the friends. Kind of, because I think the friends aren't allowed to file the report. I think it needs to be a family member. I don't know how that works. I actually don't no, know I don't. That. I don't think that can be right. Okay. It does seem like it usually is a family member. Usually. Maybe you do have to be a family member. Unsure. So she also drops another bomb on the reporter and tells the reporter that Jake is a secret drug addict, that she's not supposed to know, but she does, that he's an addict. And so she describes him like... Basically the exact opposite of how he's being described by every single one of his friends. Right. Which is like a kind of a goody two shoes and like Mr. Responsible. She's like, no, he's a raging drug addict. I think there are other drug addicts in this episode, but I don't think that he's one. It's not great. And also, what kind of a mother are you to tell that to the newspaper? What does that help this situation? I mean, you should definitely tell the police that. But I don't know if I'd tell... I don't know if I would tell the reporter. Usually people paint the people that are missing very, very likable so that people will want to look for them. Not that having a drug problem makes you unlikable. You know what I'm saying? I think sometimes 
being a drug addict makes you unlikable. There are some traits. There are some traits. I don't want to get in trouble for hating on drug addicts. No, but there are some certain traits that come along with drug addicts. If he was stealing from her or whatever, it's not always like that, but sometimes. So I'm just, I feel like unless she was saying that to try to open up some drug channels in the town to be like, are you using, like, could you, do you know who he bought from? Unless she was trying to do that. But again, that's something you do with the police and they make the decision to release that information. Not you, Deb. So what's the point besides besmirching your son? who's missing. It's weird. And the friends are mad because they say that that's not the way he was. She's describing him as one way and he was absolutely another way. So it's like the two people of Jake. Do you feel like you might have two distinct sides to your personality? Or do you feel like maybe someone is living inside of your body and operating you with a tiny switchboard? Well, if you aren't a pod person, but a normal person with many different sides to your personality, we are guessing one or more of those sides might be able to find some benefit in the services provided by BetterHelp. I got to say those last few sentences you've said have really made me think. BetterHelp.com can assess your needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist. You can connect in a safe and private online environment, and it's super convenient. You can also start communicating in under 24 hours and send a message to your counselor at any time. You'll get timely and thoughtful responses. Plus, you can schedule weekly video or phone sessions without ever having to sit in an uncomfortable waiting room with other people who are there just trying to figure you out. You are trying to figure yourself out. That's why BetterHelp might be the perfect fit. There is a broad range of expertise available, which may not be locally available in your area. Even better, it's available worldwide. Get it? Even better. 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 And BetterHelp is committed to facilitating great therapeutic matches so they make it easy and free to change counselors if needed. It's affordable, confidential, and financial aid is also available. So check out the testimonials posted daily online. It's a great way to see how BetterHelp users are finding the service helpful for just being alive as a human. In fact, so many people have been using BetterHelp that they are recruiting additional counselors in all 50 states. We want you to start living a happier life today. And as a listener, you'll get 10% off your first month by visiting betterhelp.com dateline. 10% off your first month by visiting betterhelp.com dateline. Join over 1 million people taking charge of their mental health because we can all use a little better. Help, even if you're a robot. Beep, 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 boop, circuit, overload. I was just learning to love. <laughs> Thank you, BetterHelp. Thank you, BetterHelp. After that commercial break, we meet Jeremy McDonald, who is a much bigger interview than I thought he was going to be. I was all over the map on this. We get a lot of friend interviews. It's hard to tell who's important, who's not. So I wrote down a lot of names. It got confusing for me after a minute, but only just because I was trying to do a good job on the recap. His last name is McDonald? Yeah, like old McDonald. Oh, that is going to fit in perfectly with one of my titles. Oh, that's great. Oh, I'm excited. Except that he had a farm, not a ranch. Ask me the difference. I don't know. So we meet Jeremy McDonald, who is a friend of Dave, who is the employee of Carnival that Stephanie married. Just if you're forgetting names. That was so PC. Good. Jeremy seemed like a totally normal guy that maybe you and I would hang out with. I was not a fan of all of his choices, but I still liked him and was rooting for him. And I was surprised by that, even with his triangle facial hair. Seems like Jeremy may have been to college and then 
wanted to come back and work with his hands. I don't, Jeremy is not a fit for what I would picture the job that I'm about to describe. Even with the triangle facial hair? Even with that, he's just not, something's not, I'm missing a link here and I don't know what it is. I'm wondering if anyone else is with me. And not that higher education has anything to do with it, but he more seems like the kind of person that's like deciding to throw away that education because there's, you know, I don't want to work in human resources. I'm going to go work on the land. He doesn't seem like a kind of guy who would work on the land. He seems like a kind of guy who would work on motorcycles more with machinery to me. That is weird. He seems to me more like a guy that would give you your starting papers when you started at work at a company and be like, here's your W-2. Here's your thing. He seemed like human resources to me. He just did. I just, he felt like office vibes to me, not land. Well, he would be unhappy there, I feel like, in an office. Yeah, I think that's why he ends up here. So he's a friend of Dave. The Well, maybe he's a carnival guy too, because he's a friend of Dave's. Who knows? Maybe it's the triangle bearded man. Oh. <laughs> so Jake had been gone for about a year at this point when Jeremy comes to live at the ranch because... The ranch had fallen into disarray because there's just Deb alone to work on it, which is not great. And Deb had also, unfortunately, come down with cancer. So Jason and Stephanie, and they have a son at this point. Where are the children? Jason and Stephanie's and their eight-year-old son move back to the ranch with their random friend, Jeremy, from HR. So <laughs> they are going to fix up this ranch. I'm going to need those uh, TPS reports on Monday. <laughs> I get it into good working order. Jeremy describes Deb as ornery, which we could have all guessed that. Although she didn't sound super ornery in the phone call, but she does sound like a spitfire a bit. And she's also maybe a hoarder because Jeremy tells us a story about in one of the barns, in one of the many little properties on this land, there is a couch covered in rat poop, which, oh boy. Which um, I have seen on Extreme Cheapskates. Have you? Oh, and hoarders. Yeah. And hoarders. I was like, yeah. So she, they're getting, they're like trying to clear out this space, right? And she comes running at them screaming like, don't you dare get rid of my couch. Don't you dare. Like, that's my couch. She basically, once something came into the property, it wasn't ever leaving the property. And that made me really sad. I don't like that. Well, now we know why she was so ornery about him taking her Chef Boyardee cans because she did have 540 cans and now she has 501 and that's, it has to be an even number and she needs enough for the end of days. And that's also, I think, why she mentions it to the reporter because I thought that was kind of weird why she would mention and he cleaned out my groceries. And she didn't sound like she was saying it as a way to be like, well, he was obviously going to be gone for a long time because he took all my groceries it was more like a and can you believe he took yes. all my groceries it was more like that little sob took all my groceries that's what that was she was and pissed at her missing son correct Ugh, because he touched her stuff so jeremy also describes stephanie the daughter who he said had a scary switch so she was most likely people would describe her as nice and normal kind but if you said her did the wrong thing there was a little demon behind her eyes and you'd get this like different Stephanie better help what I say I am controlling <laughs> so the friends have not given up 
God bless the friends in this episode. They are amazing. And they start a Facebook page called Where is Jake Millicent? So in the fall of 2016, the DA finally gets a hold of this missing persons case. And this DA, top of the pops, top. Yes. Top marks, tens across the board. I really liked her. I don't know why. She was just the perfect person to take this case because she took it seriously and was smart. And she didn't need a jump to conclusions, Matt, which is an office space reference because I just made another one. But also because later she doesn't jump to conclusions. Right. We'll get there. I loved that part. So she involves the Colorado Bureau of Investigations. So now there's like a team of people working on this. Right. And keep in mind that like the family is not that worried about Jake. It's really the friends that are pushing this investigation forward. And the DA recognizes that. And she's like, this is odd. Something is wrong here. She found a Facebook post from when Jake went missing. It's on his sister Stephanie's page. And it says, big things are happening for the Jackson family. This is like right at that time period. And then a couple days later, she says, do you ever hear such great news in the morning that you can't stand it? Or something like that. The DA didn't remember exactly what the wording was, but it couldn't have been that. But that's what she said it was. I don't like people who post things like that on Facebook. And then they don't say what it's about because they want you to ask. They want you to ask. It's a leading comment. Find a friend to talk to one-on-one if you need to talk about your feelings, which everyone should. Better help. It's totally fine. But you don't need to post vague things on the internet for attention. Yeah, it's a full cry for attention. I don't know what Stephanie was being cryptic and evil, though. Something's weird about Stephanie's. And so a friend comments... She said, oh, Jake is gone on the, did you ever hear such great news? That's not great. So it turns out, we find out, and I wish we'd gotten more information on this, but the reason that Jake had actually taken up jujitsu was not to get in shape or make a bunch of new friends. To man cuddle. Right. He had actually taken up jujitsu because he wanted to be able to protect himself because he was scared of Stephanie's husband, Jason. The carny. The carny paintball guy. Yeah. I want to say other things here, but I'm not going to because there's other adjectives. There are other descriptors for him that are alleged that I am cannot make a full statement on. But I feel like we've already said. Yeah, that's plenty. We've hinted. Those are not great things to see on social media. But really, there was another huge red flag on Jason himself's page because he has these unbelievably stylized, fancy black and white portrait shots of himself on a motorcycle. But the motorcycle happens to be a 1976 Harley Davidson that very clearly belonged to Jake. Yeah, who he never let anyone. I thought Dateline for a second was doing it because in one, it's a black and white photo, but the motorcycle is in color. You know how you can do that through editing? I didn't know if Dateline did that for dramatic effect because they were talking about the motorcycle and how crazy it was that he was riding the motorcycle that he shouldn't be riding. Or if he was like a wannabe photographer. He doesn't seem like a wannabe photographer. They're good shots. It's not even wannabe. Those are pretty nice shots. Why did he have photos taken of himself on a motorcycle anyways? 
Look, I'm also not very smart sometimes about photos. And I feel like now that I'm saying it, somebody's going to come and say, hey, this is just a filter. So he just took normal shots and then made them fancy in like an app. Yes, I do feel like that's what happened. Shoot, I'm not being smart right now. That's what happened. I thought, honestly, that Dateline was doing it. No. Just because they were too fancy for like a random carny guy who's on Schmeth to do on his Facebook page. Carney doesn't necessarily mean Schmeth, and it also doesn't necessarily mean that he's not artistic. No, it's a great point. Some carnies, like, they have beautiful tattoo artwork and stuff like that, so I'm sure they totally do appreciate the visual arts. But I... What? I don't know, like, pretty tattoos. Carnies. Those... The, you remember American Horror Story and the, there were tattoos everywhere? Oh, you're thinking of that. Oh, yeah. Okay. Okay. I was like, where are you getting tattoos? Because like lots of people that aren't carnies are tattoos. You're getting American I'm Horror I'm mostly getting American Horror Story. You're going with Freak Show. Freak Show. Yeah. Yeah, I understand. That's my carny experience. So Jason would never have been allowed to ride that bike under any circumstances. Absolutely not. And the DA is not buying the family, the family's excuses. They are telling completely different stories all over town. They're saying uh, at one point, Deb said that he's in Reno. And then she also said he was in Portland. She also said he was in Seattle. And Stephanie's kind of making it seem like her mom is telling her a bunch of different stories. Stephanie is basically any story that she's heard, she heard from her mom. She's putting all of the blame on her mom. Mm -hmm. But the truth of the matter is Jake's not leaving any trace of himself in any of these cities and not in the city that he's he's supposed to be currently living. There's no trace of him, period. He has not used his passport. He has not bought a new cell phone because he has not taken out cash from an ATM or used his bank card at all. There's no, I mean, dead. he's dead. So the investigation team kind of has their work cut out for them because there are massive amounts of property, like you said, hundreds of acres connected to the 7-Eleven ranch. They have some hunting land up in that crazy, scary Mount Doom. And then they also have a big quarry. They have caves. That's so cool. I really would have let... Are the quaves... The quaves. Because you combined quarry I did. and caves. Is that, what a, is that what happens if the cave is in the quarry? It's a quave? Is there, are there caves in a quarry? Have you ever seen a quarry? No, it would be a quarry in a cave, right? Or is it an underground cave in a... What's a quarry? Yeah, that's the, there's the, <laughs> that's the big ticket question. Okay, it is what I thought. Okay, a place, typically a large deep pit from which stone or other materials have been extracted. I think it's like a crack in the land. Do you know what I'm talking about? No, I know what you're talking about. Like a crevasse. Yes, like a crevasse. Can you see that? Yeah. Yeah, that's a quarry. But it has water in it. I think they always have water in them. I'm picturing them always with water. And I feel like bad things happen down at the quarry in a lot of small towns. Yeah, or Creed wants to go throw things in the quarry. I think people throw trash in the quarry or you make out in the quarry and then maybe get murdered after you make out near the quarry. Right, right, right. It's usually like the bad part of town. Which is sad because I feel like it's lovely. I think that's just the TV making it sound bad. I don't think that's always the case. I think that's just what Dateline makes us think it is. It could be Dateline and many other shows. Yeah, not specifically Jake. But it makes me think of like Stand By Me, you know? Yeah. Things like that. So regardless, they have a quarry and there are clearly caves in the quarry. So quaves. 
TM, date with Dateline, don't steal it. And that's a lot of land to search. So what are they going to do? So they get a Gunnison judge to procure a search warrant for the property. But unfortunately, this is springtime. And where they are in Colorado, all the ground is still frozen. So even if they were to go a searching, nothing's going to happen because you definitely frozen. go a searching down by the quarry. Yeah, that's why I said it. You have to go a searching. Go a skipping stones. I w- I'm not making fun, you guys. I really wish I lived in a town where there was a quarry. This is like total jealousy speaking because I, I love outside stuff. You can go down by the L.A. River in Burbank. I used to walk down by the river sometimes over by where I used to live. The river that's usually dried up. There's railroad tracks and a river right by the Goodwill. All three of those things sounds so romantic. And to have them in a trifecta is definitely a place I want to hang out. I liked it. It was pretty. I used to take phone calls out there sometimes. Like I take a break from the shopping, go outside, make a phone call. Anyways, I don't see. I'm just like reminiscing about like being outside. It's not even, you know, that's boy, that's bad. Okay. Anyways, so they're going to wait because they don't want to blow it. They want to make sure that the search is effective when they do it. But meanwhile, back at the 7-Eleven, Jeremy is being told a bunch of different stories about where Jake is too. Debs told him at one point that Jake might be in witness protection. Yeah, see, that's the only thing that makes sense, honestly, because he hasn't used his credit card or anything. Right, that he became a completely different person or cult. Cult makes sense. Cult you makes sense right. too, because you don't need money. You, It's like a commune, like a... Right, and you're supposed to cut off communication with your family and friends, so... Great point. Hmm. Jeremy says that theories about what happened to Jake was like a normal dinnertime conversation. They would just like talk about it around the dinner table. And so one night... That's weird to me. No, I don't. I don't think so. Uh, In 20 minutes, I'm going to explain why that's weird to me. Yes, there we go. So one night during dinner, Jeremy decides to make a joke that maybe Deb killed Jake and buried him in the backyard. Oh, Jeremy. This is like the office dinner party level awkward because you think everyone else is making. So everyone else is making jokes and then you make a joke. It's like curb your enthusiasm. Like Larry David would do this. Like everyone's spitting fire, making jokes and everyone's having a great time. And then you say something and the record scratches and it's like, oh, I thought I just I thought we were riffing. I thought, oh, God, I thought it's exactly. And Jeremy is that guy. You'll know when you see him like he he's definitely the record scratch. So sad. Yeah, it's not great. That's like one of those things where six months from now you're trying to fall asleep and you keep waking up in a dick in like a sweat, remembering that thing that you said that had the record scratch. You know, when you have the genie give you the wishes, I think one of my wishes would be eternal sunshine on certain things that I would just forget them. Oh, yeah. Because it's like that. Oh, it's the they hit you at weird times. You're driving and all of a sudden you remember it and you're like, come on, I had forgotten for a month. And then it comes back. Oh, it's the worst. Things were going too well and your brain had to remind you of that horrible time you put your foot in your mouth seven years ago. Yes, absolutely. Oh, my God. It's worse being a human, man. Yeah. Anyway, Stephanie's whole demeanor changes. Of course, it's the record scratch moment and she turns into demon spa and, and like wings come up and she attacked. No, none of that happens. But finally, springtime has turned into summer and it's time to execute the search warrant on the 7-Eleven ranch. So I like the DA even more now 
because what she's waiting for is a puppy convention. Mm -hmm. And by puppy convention, I mean there is literally an annual certification of cadaver dogs. They complete their like final FEMA training on these old mining properties in this part of Colorado. Because there's old miners underneath the ground, right? Right. That's crazy. That's so insane and so cool. But it's the perfect, perfect coincidence, right? Give them some real life training. Right. I Oh, it's great. So they come from everywhere, like all over to do this training in Gunnison. We have two of my favorite things in the world. Which is what? Dogs. Yeah. And a search party combined into one thing. Why don't you go into that? I know. Because I don't like walking that much. Okay. We're, we're going to do a test in a minute and we'll see if you could be her. So on July 17th, the dogs and the investigation team join forces. They team up and they're going to carry out the search. Jeremy is woken up in his double wide trailer on the property first thing in the morning by pounding on the door. And he says, I wasn't that surprised at that point because something had happened two months earlier. Don't, don't, don't. He had seen something a little bit shocking. You know, one night they're just doing some backhoeing. That's my nickname in college. Right. And they uncover a rib cage. Rib cage is not what I was expecting. I was expecting, because they kind of lead into this in the commercial and stuff. I was expecting a like maybe a shirt or like maybe a an arm bone, but not a rib cage. And Mank knows that, which is why he says, you heard right, a rib cage. He did? I missed that. He, and That's he's right. basically saying, you heard right, Katie, a rib cage. A rib cage. You thought it was something light and easy. No, ma'am. So Jason and Stephanie, all three of them, Jason, Stephanie, and Jeremy are doing this backhoeing. Jason looks shocked. Stephanie stares at it and she like kind of starts like yelling. I don't know what that is. I don't know what that is. I'm going to go get my mom. I don't know what that is. And like runs off to the house. Kind of angry. It sounds like, right? Yeah, kind of like more pissed off, not freaked out. Right. I'm going to go get my mom like that. Like stop asking questions. God, I'm sure it's nothing. But nobody asked questions or maybe he did say, what is that? Or is that what I think it is? Right. So, yeah, it is definitely what he thinks it is. And I would be very scared right now if I was Jeremy that, like, I'm going to die tonight. Here we are out here backhoeing, and they are just going to dig me a grave and push me in it. I'd be very, I would probably run. I'd probably get in my car and get out of there. Absolutely. Just keep driving till you get to California. Just keep going. There are plenty of, you might find a cult on your way. Yeah. Join them. They'll never find you. There's a missing, there's an open spot. Also, what is she going to go ask her mom who's like riddled with cancer? Don't, what are you doing, Stephanie? Like you're going to go accuse your mom? Hey, mom, I just found a rib cage. Do you happen to know who that is? And the mom be like, oh yeah, I forgot to tell you. One day a traveling salesman came with encyclopedias. I killed him, buried him. I forgot to tell you. That's who that is. That's Tom. And she's like, okay, thanks for telling me. Just checking. Just checking it. So, but Stephanie comes back and apparently it's the rib cage belongs to a bear or another animal that is illegal to shoot in the area. It's illegal. So that's why they had to bury it. Here's the problem. The rib cage is attached to a pair of jeans. So the bear was a Berenstein bear because they wore jeans. Yes. I believe that the bear corduroy, the bear 
also wears, oh no, he wears overalls. What about Paddington? He wears a yellow felt jacket. Red jacket? Yellow jacket. Yellow jacket, but it's in a red Yellow hat. jacket, red hat? Or yellow jacket? Yellow jacket, red hat. I'm not sure if he wears anything underneath or if he's Donald Ducking it. Oh, he's a flasher. Yeah. Okay. But this bear was in pants because he was from the carny? Maybe it was a carny bear. A carny bear. Wearing jeans. Not to be confused with camembert, which is a delicious cheese, (laughs) which I wish I had some right now. So don't confuse the two. So that's a big, yeah. So he, Jeremy goes into immediate denial. Like, no, no, it couldn't be what I think. And he says he decides not to immediately call the police or run away because he's worried about Stephanie and Jason's little boy, who I had completely forgotten about until he brings it up right now. Yeah. And I was like, oh, my Lord, that boy who's nine years old at this point. Okay, this is not great. But also he decides not to do anything because Stephanie tells him, you know, you can never leave now, right? That's a that's not a great statement. No, especially like with all the lodge surroundings, it's very Twin Peaks or something. Like I would start, to, it would be like where you try to like run out of a room in a horror movie and like you just are in the same room. You go out of the door and then you're back inside the lodge. Well, it's Hotel California. You can check out anytime you like, but you can never leave. Did you think she Creepy. sang it? Do you think she went like this with her? And I nailed it. That was, I did first time, did it so good. And that was good compared to last time. There you go. No, you did just now. The first. Okay, we can't. We can't go back down roads. We've already been down. We have to go down new roads like Carney Bear. Okay, so Mank has a great reaction. He says, does that sound like a threat to you? That sounds like a threat to me. It was good. It was Josh being ultimate Josh. He's smirking. Yeah. Yeah, it was Josh Joshness. Yeah. And I very much appreciated it. He was joshing. Yes, he was. He was joshing. Perfect. But speaking of never leaving, you know what brand is never going to leave your wardrobe again? Is it beta brand? It's beta brand. Are you spending more time working from home these days? And if so, are you secretly comparing your work from home outfits with coworkers on the video conference call? Every time. I think we can keep that secret between us, but I think it's a pretty open secret that people are judging each other in the Zoom calls. Actually, there was a mom who went viral recently. Her daughter started virtual school and she's in the background with no pants on and no underwear because she forgot the virtual school started that at that time. I have so many questions why a mom is walking around without underwear, but that's another story. Also, who put it online? But please go, please, please, please go check out, to that woman specifically, go check out Beta Brand because no one else will know that your dress pants actually feel like you're wearing yoga pants. Beta Brand dress pants, yoga pants are made of wrinkle-resistant knit fabric, making them perfect for long days or working from home. Because they're super comfortable and stylish. They hold you in where you want to be held in. And they help you up in places that you would also like to be helped up. Not to be confused with being held up at a 7-Eleven. Which I see might be confusing because of the title of this episode. Please don't confuse the two. Visit the site and you will see that they have a style or cut for whatever floats your root beer. Boot cut, straight leg, skinny, cropped, wide leg. My mom has the straight leg two pocket and they are 
honestly her favorite pants in the entire world. She will not be quiet about them. She loves them. But it's amazing because I know what gift to give her for the next five years. They are her ultimate favorite pants. They also have some really, really great patterns for fall that are on the site right now. They have like this lavender tartan, which is really cute and like a herringbone. So, you know, you can jazz it up. There's nothing to say that working from home doesn't mean super stylish. Why not? And this way you get to be comfortable too. Plus, they launch new styles weekly. So right now, our listeners can get 25% off their first order when you go to betabrand.com slash dateline. That's 25% off your first order for a limited time at betabrand.com slash dateline. Find out why women are buying 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 7, 11 different pairs of these pants. Don't judge me. I have 12. That's okay. It's one for half of the month. You got to get up to 30. And you could because they have that many different styles. It's great. Go to betabrand.com slash dateline for 25% off because function and style just got comfortable. Ooh, that is excellent. I'm pausing for effect. Thank you so much, Betabrand. Check them out, guys. If you haven't checked them out yet, I don't know what to say. Check them out. You won't be sorry. People love those pants. Everyone loves those pants. Once you go beta brand, you never go back. Much like you can never leave. 7-Eleven Ranch. Exactly. That's why those my lead it. So back to the search. The investigation team has left the dogs behind, which kind of bummed me out. And they went on ahead to like serve the search warrant. There's detectives that go in and they start interrogating Deb before the dogs come. And they tell her that the dogs are there. And so she just, she pretty much gives up. Like, she kind of wavers. Now, the minute she finds out about the cadaver dogs, she's like, well, I'm toast. So she very calmly, very casually, as Mank says, says that what had happened was that she went upstairs while Jake was sleeping, and she shot him in the head. She dragged him downstairs. This is Deb. Deb did this. Dragged him downstairs. Picture Joni. Yes. Picture Joni. Insert picture of Joni here, except we can't because it's a podcast buried him in a manure pile with the backhoe. In a manure, I just... She killed her son and buried him buried in a him pile Buried him in the manure poop. pile. It's so shameful. I've never heard of such a thing. It's beyond. The only parents I've ever heard of killing their kids are the moms who lose it and have postpartum or just like a psychotic break and they kill their toddlers. I've never heard of a mom killing her grown-up child. Oh, I thought I was going to say, well, Lori Vallow, I mean, yeah, that's she true. was, her daughter was 18. Yeah, that's true. But they didn't bury them in a manure pile. I'm just, it's insult to injury. It's the worst, it's worse than that. I don't know what to say. Unless she was a member of Chad's group and thought that he was a zombie. No, there's no way. Because she would have used that as an excuse. So... Now they have the area where the body is, and a West Virginia German shepherd named Jack went to sniffing. And as we are told, this is the best. I loved this woman. She said, Jack performed his final trained response, which is a passive sit. Can you say that line? And I can tell you if you can do this job. It is, Jack performed his trained final response, which is a passive sit. Jack performed his trained final response, which is a passive sit. It's very good. And then I think it was like at the area of question. At the area of question. You could do that job. I mean, it's my dream job. 
I'm just not that great at training dogs. I'm the opposite of Caesar Milan. I want to just smother them in kisses instead of discipline, exercise, affection. I go affection, 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 which is the wrong thing, according to Caesar. Maybe you'd get better at it. Maybe that's something you have to grow into. But anyways, Jack, the German Shepherd did an excellent job. And also, I really like German Shepherds. So I was excited to see Jack because I think their faces are very sweet. They look like they're smiling. So really sadly, they find Jake's remains wrapped in a trash bag. She put him in a trash bag, too. She didn't. She put him in a tarp. I actually looked up some outside information on this. Oh, it was a, not a trash bag. It was a tarp. It didn't also look like a trash bag when they showed the picture because we do see a picture and it looked like more of a tarp. But Dateline told us trash bag and I'm sort of inclined to believe Dateline. So don't know. I'm of mixed feelings about this. Anyways, the sheriff gives us our precious moment of the episode at this point, which is he says that when they found Jake's body, finally, they were just all tapped out. Like emotionally, it was just it was too much. And he says, and I'm, I'm feeling that again. Damn. And he's just silent. And Dateline is just letting it hang. And he's sort of looking and he says, do you mind if we take a break? And it was the most pure thing. And he's such a tough, gravelly voiced man. He is. But that precious moment is broken by a mini twist in the case. No one is arrested that day. Even though Deb confessed and they dig up the body. Nope, no arrests. And everyone is very mad and angry at the DA. But the DA is so smart. She knows that Deb's story is a bunch of hogwash because there's no way. A week before Jake was murdered, Deb had had surgery, a big surgery, and had said that she couldn't even lift a jug of milk. Oh, and she has stage four cancer. Correct. There's just, there's no way. There's no way she did all of this by herself, that she shot him and dragged 180 pound. That's the one thing I don't think that Joni could do. A lot of other things on the ranch I think Joni could do and keep up with. Not this. Yeah. And it's pretty clear that she couldn't do it. And the DA knows that Deb is going to take the fall. Although I do have some outside information. I'll go after. Let's get through this. It's looking more and more, of course, like Stephanie played a part in this murder. It all comes down to the motive. It's all down to the 7-Eleven. Stephanie wanted the chain of 7-Elevens in Western Colorado to belong. No, she wanted the ranch. She wanted that big gulp money. She did. Jake was set to inherit it. And it was worth millions and millions of dollars. And it's worth millions and millions of dollars also because from what I read, it's right next door to a Koch brothers property. Did you read this? Oh, really? So it's called like the billion dollar valley or something like that because the Koch brothers built this Jesse James town. They basically built a replica Old West town right there. Yeah, it's like a, you know, Wild West enthusiast park thing. And there's like a Jesse James Museum. It's, yeah, I get it. It's worth a lot of money. Stephanie masterminded the entire thing is what the DA thinks. Now, I don't understand what she means by masterminded, like made it happen. I don't, what did Stephanie do? I think Stephanie did all of it. I think Stephanie did all of it too, except for something that we learn later. But that's the only thing that makes me question it. Or I think Stephanie had her husband do it. Or they all it was a big plan betwixt the three of them. So let me ask the biggest question, which is, why didn't Deb just change the will? The thing that I heard was that 
he was going to sell the property. He was going to get sell his share at least, and that would ruin everything. So she wouldn't have maybe had time to do that if he was planning to sell. It's a good question. And according to someone else on Twitter, they said that she had changed the will and that now Stephanie was in, would get some of it. So there was no motive. But this is a friend of Stephanie's who's ornery on Twitter and mad at Dateline, super mad at Dateline for making it seem like Stephanie had something to do with it. So, oh my gosh, I'm so excited. Who knows what to believe? Okay. Because this is where, like... It seems like it was a lot more complicated, I do have to say, than Dateline is making it sound. Because it was just an hour episode. I think there was a lot more logistics with the property than they're leading us to believe. I think so, too. I think they... I think you're... I knew that was the case. Because I'm like, there's things here that don't line up. But Deb, Steph, and Jason are eventually arrested. And Jason gets 10 years for tampering with a dead body. Which is when we see the tooth. Is there a one tooth? There's a huge snaggle tooth. It's very surprising to see Jason because Jason is like an empirically attractive person. He has like a good face. And then he opened his mouth and I was like, oh, (laughs) I was just so surprised. And I don't know if that's dental hygiene, but in my experience, it's not dental hygiene. It's drug use for to cause a mouth like that where you lose all of your or he's never used a toothbrush. We don't know. Black, man. So this is where we get the one piece of evidence that we have, which is the bullet that is actually still in Jake's body. And the bullet is a perfect match to Deb's personal gun, which is some sort of, they called it like a Lady Smith Wesson. Why can't it just be a Smith Wesson? That's fine. Anyways, the bullet matches that gun and the gun is found under Deb's bed with one bullet missing from that they show us a picture with it's like got one bullet gone in the chamber and it has Deb's DNA on the gun and on the trigger. But this happened four years ago. By the time we're going to trial and finding this gun, she's literally never used the gun since shooting her son. Yeah, I don't think she's is a shooter on the ranch. I don't think that that's weird. What's weird to me about it is that she kept it. No, not even that because she's a hoarder. I think what's weird about it is that I still don't 100% believe that she did it, that Stephanie or the husband didn't do it, but it's her DNA on the gun. So unless they planned it, unless they planned it and then wiped the gun clean and then had her handle it, and that was all part of the scheme. That, what you just said is what I thought happened, is that one of them did it and then they either did it when she was asleep. She has Stage four cancer. Right. 100%. I she fully is sleeping believe she a lot is of the time. Partially sacrificing herself for yes. the kids because her for her favorite child. There's a lot of Mickey vibes in this. Kind of, but we don't get to talk to Deb, so we don't know. We only hear her on the phone. And no one has driven a wedge between siblings quite like Deb or quite like Mickey. Right. True. And so I do think she's like sacrificing herself, like, because I have cancer. I'm going to pass away, so I'm the one to go to prison. You have a child. You're young. You stay out of prison. So that makes sense to me. Yeah, and she's going to and she's going to be leaving this world soon anyways. There's no proof that Stephanie or the husband, unless the fact that she couldn't have carried the body by herself, but the lady on Twitter has an answer for it. 
Oh, okay. We'll see. Oh, what was it like a sled? <laughs> what I thought, like it's crazier than that. It's crazier than that. Is it Elmo? Did Elmo like carry his? Okay. Anyways, we'll get to it. Let let me finish what the sentences are. Deb pled guilty to second degree murder and was sentenced to 40 years. Stephanie also pleads guilty to aiding and abetting and tampering with a dead body. Not sure why she pled guilty. Did your friend have an answer for that on Twitter? No. If she says she didn't do it. Oh, she says like she was wrangled into it by the prosecutor and they made it sound like she could go back to her child's basically making it sound like it was coerced or like a false confession or like she was browbeaten into it. She would get, you'll get to go home early to your child if you just go along with this. Mm. That sort of thing. I see. Interesting. Stephanie on the stand, it completely blames her mom, says it was all her mom's idea. Her mom was, you know, telling her what to say, what to do, lying to her. The judge didn't buy any of it. Stephanie's also crying from the jump. So she opens with, I would like to start out by saying thank you. Thank you for the opportunity to speak. She won her Oscar. Yeah. She cries the entire time. And then she apologizes to all extended family members. My second cousin, my half cousin once removed that I met once at a bat mitzvah. Anyone that was hurt by my mother's horrendous actions. She apologizes for her mother's actions. But the weird thing is, I thought if you pled guilty to charges like that, you have to say how you helped, right? Or is that in the movies? Do you not have to state, like, why? I don't know. Can the judge demand to know? Because I would demand to know. If I was a judge, I'd be like, explain to me why you're pleading guilty to these charges. What exactly did you do? Including the dead body thing. Yeah. So the judge does not like her. He gives her 24 years in prison. Deb dies shortly after she goes into prison. What's sad is also that she takes the secret of what really happened with her. Right. Because the only people that know what actually happened, Deb's the big one, unless she wrote it down. I'm hoping she wrote it down and hid it on the ranch. Ooh, and someone will find it one day. That'd be great. I would like that. Or video. And she's a hoarder, so there could be piles of tapes. Oh, yeah. Like a series. Everything was taped in the house. So, but the idea that Jake, you know, with these two, was these two different people, like, and one of them was a drug addict, that was all a lie. They, I mean, they, it was all misleading to throw people off the scent. And Josh, I thought, ended this really well because he said his friends fought for him, his family fought against him, and in the end, it's hard to say who won. No one wins because he's gone. Uh-huh. It's very sad. But what is your outside information? I'm dying to know. So this woman that was mad at Dateline said that Deb was bad, bad news bears. She shot him because... He was planning to sell part of the ranch to neighboring ranchers that the family had bad blood with. She disinherited him and changed her will so that there was no motive for Stephanie to kill him. And Deb claimed that he beat her up the night she shot him because he found out about the will. Does he seem like the guy kind of guy who would beat up his mom? No, he would jujitsu her. But And then, yeah, then she said... Deb didn't have cancer back in 2015, okay? She did have, I think she did, Dayline made it sound like she did, and she definitely had surgery the week before. It sounded like she had a cancerous something, and they were removing it. Whatever the surgery was, I think she had pancreatic cancer. So maybe, I don't remember, I felt like it was pancreatic. They tried to probably remove something, and it maybe didn't work. 
But anything that if you're going into an organ surgery, that's a major surgery. You're not recovering, you know. What if it was unrelated and it was like shoulder surgery? That would still be very hard to recover from. At her age, yes. At her age and you're on medication. Maybe she did it. She was all drugged up on medication. Yeah, that was another thought. I actually thought about that. Maybe. But so she said that Deb used a winch on an ATV tied around him to pull him out of the house. It's like, it's like Weekend at Bernie's and drag him to the shallow grave she dug in the manure pile behind the chicken coop. She used a winch on an ATV. I'm sorry. So she, because he was upstairs in the house, she Can said. Can you so- imagine what that poor body looked like after being bumped against every corner of that house and no down the stairs? No, it didn't go down the stairs. She went out the window. So that, because you can't bring an ATV in the house. No, I think the winch gets pulled in, tied around the body. No, from the outside. So the ATV's outside. She went through the window, tied it to his body, and pulled him out the window. She didn't go through the house. No, there's no way she would go out the window. That body would never survive. It doesn't have to survive. What are you talking about? I mean, I feel like it would get caught, like, on the window. It wouldn't go up and over the windowsill. I think it went down the stairs. No, absolutely not. It went out the window. It had to have. Let me look at what a winch looks like. There's no way. A winch is like the long thing with the hook on the end. It's like a rope, but it's a mechanical thing that pulls with an engine. How long is the rope? They can be probably pretty long. I feel like it's much harder. It's much harder to go through the house than just out the window. I feel like either way that... I mean, I guess she doesn't care if the body is messed up. But regardless, it's the worst thing I've ever heard. And they also didn't say that. They said that she dragged him downstairs. She, no, she said that. Why didn't she say I used a winch? Yeah, I feel like Dayline would have put that in because it's so fascinating detail. Because how else would she have done it? But why is this friend saying it like it's fact? I don't know. But, But there is also no way that she would be able to drag him once outside to a shallow grave. That's not happening. And then roll it all the way. I don't get it. Okay, that's very complicated, I feel like. I think she needs to explain how she did it because it's throwing suspicion towards Stephanie and the husband, which is ultimately why they're convicted. So what she should have done to save them is say, I hired a transient, paid him in cash to help me move this body down, and I never saw him again. And then Stephanie husband off the hook. She's not saying that, which makes me think she's covering for someone, which is Stephanie and the husband. Yeah, absolutely. I have the perfect call me, Deb. I have the stories for you. You're ready this time. What else did the girl say? Anything else? No, she was just really mad at Dateline. So why was she mad? What did she say? She said Stephanie's a great girl. She's a great mother. She had nothing to do with it. She had been abused by Deb. Deb was a horrible lady. And that there was a restraining order from the brother against her husband or vice versa. And that was why she posted that Facebook thing about how she was so excited that her brother was gone. Because that meant that she and her child and husband could be on the ranch in peace because the tension was not good for the child. So that's why she was so excited that he was gone because of the tension around the child. Did anybody ask the friend why about Jason's uh, tooth? <laughs> no, I really wish. Oh, and then it said, she's like, there was no motive. She had transferred the 
farm over to Stephanie before. So Stephanie would have had no reason to kill him. And then someone wrote, well, the way what you've just described makes it sound like she paid off her accomplice with a ranch. And she didn't respond to that. Oh, snap. But then why did the what was the mom's motive that she had been beaten up? <laughs> yeah, I guess. OK. That's or because she loved Stephanie. Stephanie was her favorite child. No, I, I don't get it. Before we go to B-roll, I would like to dedicate this episode to Joni. Joni is a longtime supporter of this podcast, and she is a longtime supporter of Kimberly and a little bit shorter time supporter of me. She is a wonderful mother, a great friend, and a very, very kind and good human. And we very much appreciate all the love and support that Joni gives this podcast. So thank you very much, Joni. That's very nice. We have a dedicated one to your mom. And I'm doing the recap, so I did it. New listeners are like, who the F is Joni? Joni is Kimberly's mother. Also, sometimes Joni, because she's now a painter and takes painting classes. So instead of Monet, she's Joni. That's brilliant. I'm excited. Can we get t-shirts? Yes. She also... Made the leg date with Dateline leggings famous that are now not sold anymore. So if you didn't get them last time, oh boy, that's rough. Collectors' items. I gave people a warning with your sweaty shirt. We'll sell the Dateline. We should have gotten three pairs to do on eBay. Rats for ninety eight cents. She'll be very excited about her dedication. Has anybody ever done Jonah 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 in the tone of Monet Monet? Mm, maybe, maybe she has. Sounds like something she would do. If you want to see what Joni's like, go to our YouTube page. It's the only video on there. It's the only video we need. And it's the only video you'll ever need to watch. Pretty much. And it's a great quarantine workout. Yeah. It's more than enough. It's just like Dennis. Yeah. So B-roll for this episode. Okay. Just going to go real quick through the stepdad, who is very confusing looking to me. I just imagine that's what millionaires look like. I don't know. Millionaire ranchers. Yeah. Black cowboy hat, long white hair. How do you describe him? I stared at the picture for a long time. I thought he looked like he was missing teeth, but I feel like I'm dwelling too much on the teeth here. But I felt like he was missing teeth because he's an older gentleman. I don't think he was missing teeth. Really? You think he he owns like a million, million dollar, like multi-million dollar ranch. Yeah. So what was so great about Deb that he wanted to marry this woman who had kids and she was ornery? I would really like more to that story. And I would also like to know why there weren't more people on the ranch. Why he did he not have children from any other marriage? He, I mean, he left the ranch to Deb. This is what the friend on Twitter said. He did have a son who was supposed to get part of the ranch also, or maybe after, was sometimes in the will. Very confusing. That's really confusing. Wow. Mm. Did you notice that the sheriff, when he was driving in his cop car, we I've never seen this before, the handcuffs. Why were they in his driver's side window? Outside the window, it seemed like. So you could was just like, grab him on a winch. <laughs> you could just grab him and handcuff somebody. Yeah. It seemed very intense, like very, I'm here to like solve crime. I'm going to get the bad guy. I don't even have time to get them out of my utility belt thing. It's just like, whoopah, they're here. Yeah, it was great. Did you have any B-roll? Yeah, the district attorney that you love so much, her office is so barren. Was that a new office? The whitest walls, plain, nothing in that office but a thing of hand sanitizer and a phone charger plugged into the wall. And she's the DA. Someone go to Ross 
and get her a $7 live, laugh, love sign, hashtag blessed something. Bad A woman, mom in charge. Lady boss. Lady boss. A hashtag lady boss sign or something because there was nothing on those walls. There wasn't even like a certificate. Okay. No, it wasn't even her certificate. That's not her main office. I think that's a temporary office. Yeah, maybe she had mold in her office or something. Well, the courthouse looked pretty plain. Like we saw the outside of the courthouse. That looked sort of, it was interesting. I think it's very rural. The ranch people, they don't have any airs about them. They don't tolerate that sort of thing. Yeah. I respect that. They don't need fripperies and things. Frippery. Yeah. And then so many dogs in the B-roll. We saw apparently what was his dog, but one of the friends said it had curly hair and it was clearly a black lab. And I was very confused. And then we I saw, don't think that was the right dog. I don't think that was the right dog. And Dateline just kept talking about the dog and putting a different dog in the B-roll. And then there was lots of dogs that were searching. The cadaver dogs. Amazing. So much dog B-roll. I was happy. It was quite a bit. Did you have any quotes from this episode? No, you said them all. I had one. I had Manx at the end. He said, it all seemed to flow from homespun greed and the river that ran through it was green with money and maybe a drop of jealousy. Oh, yeah, that was a good one. That was a very good one. I liked it. It made me think of a river runs through it. Yeah. Do you have a where are the children? Because I do. Where's the child? (laughs) Where's the body? Where's Elmo? Who took Elmo in? Because you know one of the friends took Elmo in. So who was it? Any one of those friends I would trust with Elmo. Maybe Rebecca and Bandana Jake. They probably liked Elmo. Yeah, they seem like outdoorsy people. Yeah. Titles? I had Unfortunate Son, Running Down to the 7-Eleven, Jiu-Jitsu Samaritans, because they helped solve his case. Okay. It's not that great. Okay. No, I know. It just took me a second. I like it. Back. Hoarders, <laughs> colon, buried the dead. Ooh. Instead of buried alive. That's good. Whoop, whoop. Okay. That's great. Slurpees and corpses at 7-Eleven. Aw. The family that ranches together doesn't stay together. Yeah. Wrestling with the truth. Oh, there we go. Bingo. Big gulp of justice. Ooh, good. I like it. And my last one, which is even better now that I know that his last name was McDonald. The McRib cage is back. You know that's real good. I do. That's a five star. Because it literally came back. It was resurfaced. I am proud of you. It's a little sad. It is sad, but it's... It's so good, it makes up for the sadness, perhaps. That is 100% true. It was a great episode, though, I thought. I could have used more info. I kind of want to look it up and see what else we missed. Mm -hmm. So, everyone, find us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. Check out our Patreon. You get an extra bonus episode every month. That's patreon.com forward slash date dateline. And our new podcast, actually our returning podcast, A Date with the Bake, will be out soon-ish. It will be out this week. This week. And watch that show on Netflix. Yay. Don't watch alone. We haven't done it in a minute. (laughs) Except you should watch alone still. Except still watch alone. Remember when we thought we'd only be saying that for like a few weeks? 14 days. For the next 14 days, we're going to be saying don't watch. We didn't know it was 14 times 12. We weren't aware. But now we are aware. Do watch alone. Or, you know, where it's safe to watch, wear your mask, 
Wash those hands. Wash those hands. Register to vote. Yes, make sure you're registered to vote. And that's all, folks. Da-da-da-da-da-da. Boop. <clears throat> Bye. And now I was finally learning to love. Boop, boop, boop. Bye-bye. Especially after winching. Oh, son of a winch. Oh, there we go. You're just full of them. I know. What's happening? It's so weird. It's a role reversal. It's confusing. Because you're doing the recap. That's what it is. Is this going up in October? I was going to say it's because it's Halloween, but no, it's not going up in October. So false alarm. Like a Freaky Friday thing? Like we switch places? Exactly. That would be fun. That would be fun. Acai is so good. I just, they're usually kind of like out of my price range. They're like $8 and I just don't, I'm not doing that. I don't buy boba. Oh, I like boba. I think boba's nasty. Yeah, that's a, you either love it or you hate it. That there's no middle for boba. Yeah, I'm a boba fan. Okay, I'm a boba fit. <laughs> if Oliver is trying to aggressively cuddle, I say stop jujitsuing me. Because I know he misses jujitsu. So I know he's trying to like work on his like whatever. He's... Always does that, though, even when he's going regularly. Well, he does that to you because he knows it makes you uncomfortable. You should not have shown weakness. That was your big first mistake. Don't do that. He'll just, like, grab your arm and twist it for no reason. And you're like, You need to relax and go limp. Dead weight. You need to play dead weight. You tense up and it makes it worse. No, just go dead weight and he'll leave you alone. That's sad. That sounds like he's it's a like dog. being attacked by an animal. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. A jujitsu bear. Is ornery a, it's an interesting word to use, right? I feel like it's uh, more, no, I actually feel like it's- It's an old-timey word. Yeah, I feel like it's more of a, it is something people that live on a ranch would say, or live in the South would say, about their chicken that runs across and is- Oh, they wouldn't say cranky? No, I feel like they would say ornery. I feel like it's more well-known in those circles. So I wasn't as impressed with it being like an SAT word. Being that I don't live on a ranch, for me, it's an SAT word. Got it. I don't know if I agree, but I don't think it matters. <laughs> I don't think it matters either. Oh, oh, how American Horror Story has fallen. Man, I, we can't talk about it. All right, whatever. I'm mad about it. No, that one season was good. Last season was not good. Which was last season? They're all living in the house, and it's like the seasons are converging. I might be a season behind. Do you know what I'm talking about? All of the seasons kind of converge. Oh, the apocalypse one. Yeah. Where they're in the bunker. Yeah. Is that Was that the last season? Yeah. That's what I thought the last, that's the last season I watched. There are parts of it that are good, but I agree. It was Billy Porter is good. Full stop. Also, Sarah Paulson, always good. And she has a really good monologue. Also, that's true. And Kathy Bates, always good. So... Yeah, they they do have really strong actors. But why didn't Jessica Lange come back? We'll we'll talk about it later. None of that's important. But that was not the last season. The last season was 1984 at the Slasher summer camp. I didn't see it. It's very fun. Oh, great. Okay, because I'll watch it's that. like Friday the 13th parody. Oh, that's really fun. Okay, Adam, can you cut that back? What Kimberly just said back where we're talking about it, and then place the other thing after, just so it's in chronological, so we're not skipping. Thank you. She's so smart that it wasn't just that she was waiting for the thaw to ground. I found out what the difference between a farm and a ranch is, by the way. Oh, what is it? A farm is a place that grows crops 
or raises livestock in order to collect resources from them. So like milking a cow, etc. A ranch is specifically a farm where the main product is the livestock. Oh, okay. Okay. I gotcha. I think that like meat is made from a ranch. I gotcha. Yeah. But I didn't see any animals on that ranch. Not a one. Besides dogs. We didn't see any animals? I didn't see... We see Stephanie on a horse, but I don't remember seeing, like, livestock that... I No. Hmm. I don't know. It was strange. Anyways... 